0: And welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics
1: And making a living from comics I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com And cartoonist of Evil Inc And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, the cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon And the co-director of Stripped And this week's hour of comics advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab So Dave, Dave, let's talk about your Eisner nomination <laughs> Hey, pretty fun, pretty fun Indeed, Dave Kellett, my co-host, the person that I personally co-host this show with, is an official Eisner Award nominee for Best Humor publication for his book Anatomy of Authors, and I couldn't be more tickled pink.
0: Anatomy of Authors is uh, it's it's so fun to have that happen because who cares what happens after this? Like, it's just it. It really is. I know it sounds cliche, but it's delightful just to be nominated. You know, it's like <laughs> now, I know we, I'm gonna lose out to some oh, book from God, Image I or I something. I knew you were gonna say that. I know, I know it already, Brad. It's okay. I know there's no way I'm gonna win, but it's delightful to be just in that mix for, for a year. It's fun. It's,
1: it's an honor to be nominated, I know. Do we know who the other nominees are? Do I know who I have to start uh, preparing my character assassination against at this point?
0: Uh, we do not, because here's a little podcasting secret. Brad and I are podcasting in the unique window where I've been notified that I've been nominated, but we have yes. it's not yet been publicly released. So right. he, I mentioned it to Brad just because we were recording this show weeks ahead. Brad can keep a secret. I'm not being. I'm not speaking out of school. Cut yeah. two of the Eisners immediately revoking my nomination. <laughs> <on> hearing this, <laughs> you failed to keep it a secret. Uh, so we do not yet know who the other nominees are. No, I do not yet know. Uh, oh. And I have to say, Brad, that the timing on this Eisner nomination in the year of coronavirus is yeah. a little weird because. I've always said, you know that I've said that one of my goals in cartooning is I've always said, I would like to win an Eisner before I die, right? That's always been my (laughs) phrase that I've said to myself. And this
1: year, I'm like, not now, (laughs) Eisners. This is not the year. This is not... This is not the year to give me something before I die. Definitely is, is much the yeah. uh, I'm happy to not be nominated. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness I wasn't nominated. I got years to go before <laughs> I die. But, oh, God, Brad. But you, on the other hand, uh, this is Right could, in the
0: mix. I'm right in the mix, Brad. Oh, God. You're
1: prophetic. Oh. You, you, you're wearing your mask, right?
0: <laughs> I'm shaking a lot of hands.
1: Yeah. Kissing a lot of babies, shaking a lot of hands. Yep, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Now they're not doing a uh, banquet, obviously this year. Have we heard any word on what that uh, award ceremony might be like? Uh, no, I have
0: no idea. So traditionally, as uh, for the folks that don't know, the Eisners are uh, the the you know the, the big award in comics, and they're held at yeah. the weekend of San Diego Comic Con on the Saturday night. I think it's Saturday, Saturday night it is. Yes, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. night it is. Brad, by the way, also an Eisner nominee. We should mention. Yes. Uh, male- no,
1: uh, now, is this your first Eisner uh, nomination? Are you setting me up there as a joke? No, I, I, I. Well, because okay, this might be the uh, Mandela effect. I thought you had been nominated in the past.
0: I've had this is my third Eisner nomination. Three, so, yeah, my three-time Eisner nominee. Yeah, my literature book got nominated. My coffee book got nominated, and now Anatomy of Authors got uh, nominated. So, wow, all for best humor. So that's nice, uh, and then it actually is a category that I like. Like I'm, I'm yeah. super chuffed with that category. Like I'll take best humor all day long. Yeah. And then yeah. um, and again, I I say this with a, a knowing wink as to how comics work. Like yeah. my books aren't sold through Diamond. My books don't appear in Comic book Shop. I'm not going to win, Brad, just because no one knows who I am, and that's okay. Yeah. I I'm okay with that. Like it's it's eventually in my 50s, 60s, 70s, people will eventually know me in the broader comics world, but I'm not that known in terms of. You know what I mean? Like you put me up yeah. against a book from I don't pick a publisher and they just have a marketing budget that's out the wazoo, you know, so right.
1: for if you're up against somebody from top shelf, for example, that, that they're going to put a lot of steam behind that. But now, in the past, I know that you have uh, put out the PDF of the book for anybody who would like to read it to help to guide their judgment uh, and and see if they would like to consider it. Here it is. If you want to read it, if you're voting on the Eisners, are you going to be doing that again? And if so, where can I download my copy?
0: Well, that's a great question. I would actually like to ask you because I have not uh, landed on an answer yet. In the past, Brad's right. For both coffee and literature... I gave out a free ebook thinking like, hey, no one in the comic book world knows who I am, so here's the free yeah. ebook. Check it out. Like go ahead and have a look. Yeah. Do you think Brad I should do that? Did that have Hell any effect? Yeah. You Hell do. Yeah. Yes.
1: Absolutely. I think okay, so two things, two things. Number one, you're going to get a certain num- a number of people that download that book and use it as intended. In other words, they're like, "Oh, I want to inform my Oscar or my uh, <laughs> Eisner nomination vote, and I'm going to take a look at this and see if it tickles me." That you get a certain number of people there. Number two, you'll get a certain number number of people that download it because it's a free ebook, and they're going to get exposed to your writing, and you can consider that a loss leader. Now it's up to you and the quality of your writing to say if you convert them, then they're going to say, "Oh gosh, this was so good, I'm going to go out and purchase Anatomy of Animals," for example. And number three, uh, you're you're going to get a certain amount of benefit from it. Because uh, in so doing, it's just another way of uh, promoting the fact that you're an Eisner nominee, and that works towards your branding as uh, as as much as anything else. It, it's a good way to promote this book and promote yourself as a as a, as a cartoonist who's getting uh, uh, lauded in this regard. So it does three things that are very important, and and that third one. I, it's the most uncomfortable one because we don't like talking about ourselves. We don't like tooting our own horn. In other words, it, you're going to come out and say at once. Hey, I was nominated for the Eisner, and I'm very excited about it. You might bring it around again uh, a little bit later and mention it, but it, it you you it's one of those things that you should be mentioning often. But you've got to find. Uh, different ways of kind of working it into the conversation. So you don't become that guy that just keeps showing up and saying, oh, by the way, I was nominated for an Eisner, you know, (laughs) pass the salt salt and and see if you can uh, uh, get it towards my Eisner nominated right hand. Uh, You know, so finding a different way of uh, beating that same drum is going to be good. So I say absolutely do it.
0: Yeah. And uh, okay, let me ask you this. Any downsides to sharing that ebook uh, with those?
1: No. Okay. Well, okay. Realistically speaking, there might be a small number of people who are getting ready to buy that ebook that are like, oh, I'm not going to buy it now. It's free. Uh, I think that's a small number of people. And again, for that, I, I think you consider it a loss leader, a, uh, a mitigated risk, and go on with your life.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, uh, to as I'm sitting here listening to you it, was, it occurred to me that what I will do is in the ebook I'll insert a page at or near the end of the book that says, "Hey, so glad you enjoyed the book. Uh, if you would like the physical copy, it is among the most pretty books I've ever made. It's got gold foil, yeah. it's paper wrapped, it's got a bookmark built into it. It's like you've seen it. It is a physically beautiful it's book." It's a
1: gorgeous book, yeah. So I and here's one.
0: here's the URL where you can get it and then just pop some yeah. like, QR code or something at the end of the ebook, e- you know. Uh, Super easy. I might. I listen. Uh, you and I both know at tops. I'll sell ten uh, out yeah. of that, but maybe. um So, uh yeah, maybe I will do that then, Brad. Thank you for talking yes. me through that. I th- yeah, I think, I think uh, you should. Regardless, it's it is a lovely thing to have happen, and I have to give a shout out to the fantastic colorist on the book, Beth Reed Miller, who did a wonderful job bringing those authors to life. Uh, the book, yeah. if you're not familiar with it, is basically uh taking the piss out of different authors through history. Um, as though it were a little bit like a high school biology book, like pointing out different parts of their body or what they're holding or what they're wearing right, and right. making fun of them. So you, everybody from Seuss to Shakespeare to uh, Twain to Tolkien, right, is, is in this book. Uh, and so it's fun. Um, so anyway, it's really I, it's a really lovely thing that that book got nominated. And thank you, Brad. I appreciate you
1: bringing that up. Absolutely. Well, I'm super. And by the way, for the rest of the uh, summer, at least, uh, we'll be we'll be referring to you as the Eisner nominated Dave Kellett here on the show.
0: Oh, I'll be bringing it up in the bedroom repeatedly. Uh, So that's uh, that'll be that's my that's going to be my go to for summer. Uh, (laughs)
1: As well, it should be.
0: But I should mention to everybody uh, at, the, at the top of the show here that yeah. uh, we still have the special offer going on for Comic Lab until July 4th. Yes. Uh, if you love Comic Lab, if you get value out of the show, this is an amazing time to join us on the Patreon community because when you join us on Comic Lab at patreon.com slash Comic Lab on July 4th, if you are at the $5 level or above, you will get 4 eBooks: How Web McWeb Comics, the Web Comics Handbook, My Drive Act One brad's evil inc under new management you'll get the zoom cocktails with comic lab with brad and i you'll get all the shows early you'll get 50 maybe 60 hours i think there might be 60 hours now of pro tips which is our patreon exclusive podcast that brad and i do just for patreon which is what exclusive Mm -hmm. means and then (laughs) you will get to ask a question of the show where you can submit a question brad and i will try to answer it on comic lab and some folks have found that extremely valuable at key points in their career so yeah. join us at the $5 level on July 4th. If you're there on July 4th, whether you're existing uh, member at right. $5 up level or you're new, as long as you're there on July 4th, you will get the 4 ebooks, Cocktails with Comic Lab, the show's early, 50, uh, 60 hours of pro tips, and ask a question to the show. Brad, I, I'm i angry if someone passes up that amazing offer.
1: Oh, I, I don't see how you can possibly pass it up. And, and I mean, it's got a little bit of something for everyone in that not only do you get those pro tips episode, but you get those two books as as a ready reference. So like if you can't find information on a certain uh, thing, you open up that PDF, do a quick search, and you've got all kinds of reference material to guide you through uh, the next step of what you're doing.
0: And Cocktails with Comic Lab, we have not yet done before, but a, a Zoom call oh. with, with Brad and Dave suitably soused will be, I, I think, a, a delightful hangout for, for all yes. of us in these, in these weird weeks ahead. So that'll be, that'll be a nice little uh, a diversion. But anyway, so by July 4th, $4 level Patreon, $5 level, <laughs> July 4th, $5 <laughs> level, patreon.com slash Comic Lab. But Brad, look yeah. who's walked in the room. Let's oh. change the mics around and welcome our guests to the show. Wow. Well, Brad, I could not be more excited to welcome this special person onto the show, and I'm smiling as I <laughs> as I interview this person. Uh, this wonderful, wonderful human being is my wife, Gloria Marilyn Calderon Kellett. Uh, wow, I've never said the full name like that. that I, it's a, not even my name anymore. I don't. I, know, that, I don't that, that, know why I you know. went back in time and gave me back my, my, my Marilyn. Gave, gave you back uh, names. my middle name, which yeah. I got rid of when I got married. Um, so my wife and I have known each other since nineteen ninety 1990, one. Nineteen ninety one. And and have been yeah. married since two thousand one. Yeah. So it took us ten years to seal that yeah. deal. Yeah that's, it did. That's not that bad. But uh anyway, um uh, so, Brad, we have her on the show. She, Gloria, as the world knows, is the showrunner, the co-showrunner of One. I don't know Time. that the
2: world knows that. I mean,
0: uh, but, okay. And, uh, is one not only one of the most creative and talented and wonderful people in the world? Uh, she is also uh, my wife, and I'm incredibly. I lucky. had to
2: literally sleep with him to get on this show.
0: <laughs>
1: Imagine what I had to do to co-host. <laughs> I know. I can't.
0: I can
2: only imagine, Brad.
1: <laughs> and Gloria's Gloria's show, One Day at a Time, is currently on the Pop uh, Network, correct? It is true.
0: That's right. And uh, because uh, a couple things to mention about One Day at a Time, Brad, if you happen to go over to Rotten Tomatoes and check out the overall uh, critic review, critical reviews of One Day at a Time, yeah, you will see that it's gotten a hundred percent for the the, the last season. We three were
2: seasons. like 98% season 1.
0: Oh, season and that one, just so kills season me. 1 got 98%. But <laughs> season 2 and
2: 3 and 4 are all
0: 100%. So now go that's now Brad by comparison go look at the tomato meter for Starship Troopers just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> just to compare. it. It's still an A. It's all an A. So that's good. <laughs> Uh, and today we wanted to have her on the show because um, she, uh, in in a rare and super wise move, their show obviously couldn't film because of coronavirus. Right. They yeah. were six episodes in. Seven we episodes? were six
2: episodes in, and we six had to shut down in production. When they
0: had to shut down because, mm. and, and there was a lot of flurry of phone calls just to give folks the background. She's like, "How small could I get my crew down to?" And I think Sony said sixty five. Sixty five people. Wow. Would be the smallest number of people to make a television show. On a set. A
2: multi camera television show with a limited cast. We don't have a ton of extras. We have really just a primary cast of six and maybe a couple of guest actors. Uh And even then, just with makeup and props and, you know. All of that, 65 was the minimum.
0: And that's with no quick turnaround testing. That's with no, uh, you know, that didn't really and still doesn't really exist in L.A. Yeah. in terms of uh, instantaneous testing. So uh, they had to shut down. And so they pivoted. Uh, she and uh, Mike Royce, the uh, the very talented other co-showrunner of uh, One Day at a Time, pivoted and are making a animated episode of One mm-hmm. Day at a Time. And I think I can say that, right? That's yeah, been announced. that's been announced. Um, and so it, the, the design, the character designs are super cute. The animation company's cranking. All the artists are- Unbelievable, this animation company. Recording at home- Yes. Using uh, audio equipment lent by the Simpsons, right? Isn't
2: it? Uh, no, it ended up working out that- So Smiley Guy, I want to give them props. They're a, a company based out of Toronto, 100 employees that all work from home that are animating pretty much 24-7 to make this happen. Wow. We've basically been told that- they're doing in eight weeks what it normally takes 29 weeks to do. So it's really remarkable, their hustle in uh, in making it. And the from the animatic to, you know, last night we got our first cut of the first animation. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, And it unbelievable what they're doing. So everyone is, of course, on the same page in terms of expediency and, in, in, you know, approving character designs and, and set designs, et cetera. But yeah. They are really doing a remarkable job. So had wow. you
1: know,
2: have to give them some love. But yes, the we got the idea from writers at The Simpsons. We they were at one point going to lend us equipment. We actually ended up getting our own box kits and uh a uh, audio
0: box kits. Audio box kits.
2: One. And so then they were outside of, you know, they were placed outside of the actors' homes <laughs> and a guy in a van outside was recording them. Really? Uh, yes. Yes. And oh,
0: wait, what? Is that true? was yeah. like a wire running into There the was
2: house? a there was a guy in a van outside.
0: Yeah. I did not know oh, yeah. that. Oh, oh yeah. my god.
2: The only two that were remote were Rita Moreno because she's in Berkeley and Lynn Manuel Miranda, who's in New York. Uh-huh. Right. Gloria Stefan has her own sound studio. Obviously, like <laughs> down.
0: <definitely. laughs> so
2: uh but everyone else was a, a a setup that was sanitized for their use and then uh Wow Yeah.
1: So so it's almost like those old movies of the FBI guys, you know, doing surveillance in the back yeah. of the van, uh, except obviously this was on the up and up. And then they would they would have a little mobile uh, voice studio and they yes. record the whole thing. Yes, that's yes. incredible. So one of the reasons we wanted to have Glory on the show is because the thought kind of occurred to us based on what you guys were just talking about. Was that this is going to be the norm going into the fall uh, season for TV? There's going to be a lot of people looking for animated projects. And if you are a comics creator and if you had considered pitching an animation project, this is the perfect time to do it, right?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think generally, yes. Uh-huh. I think that animation is something that people are looking for constantly. I would say in this moment, There's so many things there's so this is the intersection of so many things, Mm -hmm. the first of which is covid, the second of which is obviously the Black Lives Matter movement that's very important. And the third of which is there's still a shutdown in Los Angeles, where the majority of production and and New York, uh, where it's the majority of production takes place. Yeah. So what happens is you have and there's the writers have fired their agents. This is from a oh, yeah, while six ago, months ago. Yeah, yeah. six months ago. Yeah. Uh, the right. The, there's
0: basically a strike. Yeah.
2: There's up. basically a strike going on with agents. Mm-hmm. So this is a moment where work is odd. It, it's an odd time for everybody. And for studios, managers are doing the work of agents now, and lawyers are doing that work. So I only do this in terms of context because I'm a real truth bomb person, yeah. Brad. Yeah. So I want to tell everybody what they're up against, not to, not so that they will be discouraged, but so that they know what the fight is. Right. right? right. Yeah. So if you know what you're up against, then you know, then you can start to build a plan to to. Enter the field knowing everything. Mm -hmm. So I would say the first order of business is that a lot of writers are out of work, and a lot of them are also thinking about animation. I think a lot of I think you are correct in saying that this is a moment where people are thinking, "What can we animate?" Because all of the animation companies are working right now. They're the only ones that are still up and running. Right. the The difference would be that when you go to sell a project, it requires having an agent Mm -hmm. it require or or having representation because nobody has an agent. Sorry. It requires having (laughs) representation of some form to set up those meetings. The representation also is like the first filtration system for studios and networks in terms of quality control coming in going, right? I
0: got an idea. for Right. It's some sort
2: of, it's (laughs) it's a, it's a type of quality control. Then you also have what are called pods, which are producer only deals that are, within the studio system. So, you know, uh I'm trying to think of like
0: JJ well not JJ.
2: JJ was, no, right? he does. So, so I mean, don't like- know where Bad Robot is right now though. Like you think of these production companies of different people, I don't know where everybody's pods are right now.
0: Well, JJ Abrams still in Santa Monica, right? But, but, no, no, no. in terms closed.
2: of who, in terms of who is he working with? Oh, oh, oh. I'll like, see he, I think he had a deal at Universal. I don't know if he's still at Universal, yeah, right? I so, like, yeah. all of these pods right, move. There's a lot of
0: things, there's a lot of things so, up in the air. Yes,
2: yeah, so many moving parts. So, like, for example, Amazon, where I just went, mm-hmm. that's where Nicole Kidman's pod is now. That's where Jordan Peele's pod is now. But the pods move, right? right? They get deals at certain studios and networks and they're there. But the purpose of the pod is sometimes it's easier to get to the pod. It than it is to ah, get to the studio. Okay. So I would actually urge people to first seek representation. Representation uh-huh. is pretty key. And we can talk about steps for trying to secure representation of yes. some form. The second is to, is, and maybe you don't need, to, con, you could try to cold call or cold uh, pitch to a pod. But I think the pods might be the way in.
1: Yeah, for okay. for
2: somebody that doesn't have a ton of experience, so that means do your research. Who mm-hmm. is producing BoJack? Who's producing all the animated shows that you like? Find out who they're produce. Who is producing those shows?
0: Right, and one of the can I jump in because yeah. I think one of the reasons why a pod will uh, will take it in the same way that this has happened with Gloria's career is that they'll very often uh, pair up uh, an inexperienced writer with the concept, with the idea, with the pitch with an experienced showrunner or an experienced writer or an experienced producer to put it together and say, like, you've got the idea, you've got the know-how together. You make.
2: And by the the way, and and I think this is important to note, when one day at a time came about Mike Royce, who's an experienced showrunner was attached to the project before I was. Mm -hmm. Right. So they sat in a room and they were like, you know, Norman and Brent and Mike, three lovely white guys were like, yeah, let's do this Latino show. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're missing and, something. Right. And then they and then they brought me on and and it was great, right? It worked really well. But uh but part of the shepherding process was Mike showing me the ropes. Yeah. So I would say the same is true right now, I think, with creatives. I think that there's a lot of creatives that are gathering right now that are writers that are thinking of writing animation, who have experience, mm-hmm. who have ideas but will eventually need somebody to animate or you know create the the character designs etc for those ideas right yeah so is there then a possibility that that person who is making the art of the idea collab is there a possibility they can collaborate i don't know right yeah. like maybe but maybe not uh I think a lot of times people hire people just to make what's in their brain because the, I think the thing that people forget with television is it, it is as though you have suddenly, when you're a showrunner, you become the CEO of a multi million dollar company.
0: Yeah. Like instantly,
2: instantly. yeah You have 250 employees. You have the budgets, you have all the department heads you have. They don't just hand that out. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, they didn't hand it out to me and I had done television for 12 years. I wasn't right. a new kid. When one day at a time came along, no. yeah. and even still, I had this this lovely babysitter that was teaching me the ropes. So I think it's I think people think like, oh, I'm going to go to Hollywood, I'm going to sell a show, and I'm going to be a showrunner. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, maybe not so much. Yeah, not so much. I mean, probably not. Probably not. Now, do, do you hear the stories? Yes, you yeah. do hear those stories every once in a while, but I feel like those are the exceptions, not the rule. Right. So it's more about being knowledgeable in the in the quest. Mm-hmm. So I would think that the first quest would be who is making the stuff you like if you yeah. are somebody that's a cartoonist right now and you have an idea i think you first got have to look at who's making what you like educate yourself about who are the pods that are making what you like who are the studios that are making what you like
1: yeah
2: uh first find out about them read about them who is who are those producers who are those right. uh follow them on twitter follow them on instagram get to know the type of work that they're doing also, there's a lot of initiatives and programs. I feel like there's probably going to be animation. Uh, I think there will be calls to action in terms of reaching out to animation, yeah. which I think is very exciting. And then I also think that unfortunately we are in a business of branding, mm-hmm. and so if you have a comic and you want it to, you want to sell it with the possibility of, anim- of it being an animated show, you have to start building your business. You have to start building what they like to do when they are optioning uh, anything, books, comics, an article, is they see how many people liked that. They do research on the engagement that that particular piece of art garnered, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you have 200 people, you're, you're at the beginning, but you haven't necessarily built it yet to show them like oh of all these things I mean that's why like the books that come out and are immediately bestsellers get optioned right away yeah because it's an easier sell for, for them to tell their bosses yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah they go like oh what do you I always talk about urinal talk I I, I think that like heads of networks are at, at the urinal and it's like Bob what do you got going on oh well we just got the New York <laughs> Times bestseller oh really oh great okay oh, yeah, we're gonna because- make that into a show great okay I mean you have to have like what is the resume piece the quick that, the, what's that, yeah. the quick Pitch that sounds impressive that that guy can say to his boss at the urinal. that is really I think what it comes down to <laughs> right,
1: yeah, absolutely. in other words, something that's got kind of a proven track record, a proven uh a, a readership that's behind it is going to have an easier job
2: and, and then the, the first and an audience this- that maybe is underrepresented, I feel like right now is really mm-hmm. a time that people are are actually taking for the first time in a long time are taking um stock of maybe trying to represent more marginalized voices. Mm-hmm. Cartoons are a place that does that very well. So is there something there in terms of, and is that also something as a creator to consider um, populating your world with with people that look like you and people that don't look like you? I know that that also has a risk because a lot of um, people don't like to be represented unless it's somebody from their own community representing. Right. But c- certainly something to think about when you're creating something.
0: Yeah. And then the flip side of this, Brad, I think, and it's worth mentioning, because Glow is always very upfront about this, is that the the failure to success ratio in terms mm-hmm. of how many, how many times you have to throw that spaghetti oh up against God. the wall before one sticks. <laughs> and this, you know, yeah. so I'm sitting across from a successful TV showrunner who has sold many, many things, some of which you've heard of, a lot of which... Uh, <laughs>
2: a lot of which will never
0: see the light of <laughs> yeah, day. Exactly. And we also, in our social group, we have many, many friends of oh, whom yeah. they have... Academy Awards, and I know that they had shows that didn't go this season, right. or you yeah. know, like animated shows that didn't go, or this or that, and uh, um, like uh, different friends that like all incredibly talented, all incredibly creative and genius, but for a thousand reasons that you can imagine in, in a creative meets business world, yeah, the idea doesn't go, you know, that's right. And so, Glow, um, ha- is amazing in this respect, Brad, in that this last two months, she's been actively working on, and I don't think I'm speaking out of school to share this with people with four different projects, wow. not small projects, four yeah. different projects. Right. And the success to hit ratio was of those four, how many, one survived. One survived. One Plus survived. you've got
1: it. you've got to ladle so much creativity into each one of those four to make right. them, to make any one of them viable, knowing full well that, like you said, you've got a one in four success ratio uh, but that doesn't mean that you were able to cut back. You had to put your full creative energy into each oh, yeah. one each of those. One. Yeah. It's got to th- be draining. There was heartbreak with each one. That oh, there was, there was- there,
2: there's a project that Mike Royce and I went out with that was so... It, it, it's also really funny because I think what happens is at any stage in your career, like, I... I I really do feel what Dave says. I, I had, you know, my Amazon deal started June first, and I had so many friends of mine being like, "Why are you? Why are you killing yourself with four projects right now when you have a deal that's starting? You know, yeah. you're you're about to go to a new home. You're not starving right now. Yeah. And I think that I come from an artist mentality of it's all. It can all go away in one second.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. And
2: I need to be constantly. I need to be constantly creating. Also because it keeps the muscle moving mm-hmm. for me. Yep. And because I just need I need to be in this
0: space. But also I think uh, you have over the course of the now, I don't know, 15 years that you've been in Hollywood, uh seen that you we all of us need to kind of be like pioneer parents, and what I mean by that, Brad, is remember how pioneer parents would have fifteen kids so that yeah. two kids would oh survive. To AJ, yeah. so you know? dark. <laughs> yeah, but they did. They were like they were shooting out kids because they knew like all oh, four of them will go from cholera, two of them will go from diphtheria, one will get hepatitis. Like they'll all right. like they'll all go somehow. So we'll end up with two kids from the fifteen <laughs> that we started with. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of how a creative life sometimes has to it's, be. It's
2: true. I was thinking about you know I talked a lot to. I have a writing partner for the project that died that we've been working on for a year with a major Mm -hmm. studio and the same day that that project died, like we are pulling the plug. This is over. Okay. It is really dead. Yeah. Was the same day I sold something else. And I thought,
1: (laughs) I thought to myself, if all
2: of my eggs had been in that one basket today would have been devastating for me
1: emotionally. So and it
2: would have been so ruining, but I could almost say, all right, well, that's done and this and my energy now goes 100% into this. Yeah, now it's time to and do I, this.
1: And and
2: I think that's what it that's what it speaks to is that you have to have a lot of I think it's not for every artist, but for me I need to have several things going because too I've seen too many die. <laughs> I've right. Seen too many right. die. And it's too emotionally yeah. taxing. So having several flames in the fire poke
0: what, what is it uh, i don't know I don't i'm mis- know. i'm mixing metaphors
2: a number <laughs> but no, of it's early i haven't had, had a lot of to, coffee yet to be,
0: to be fair to her though and, and not only fair to her but to be complimentary to her though she's also an incredible incredibly creative incredible workaholic and yeah. so she she derives happiness from all these projects it's true transiting that's transiting through their through their own life you know like it's 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 and it's wonderful to see up close and house. i would
2: also say like right now i i think that the the salve I will give in a lot of truth telling bombs is that artists that are creating from home. It's such a gift. Yeah, There's so many people right now that cannot do their work and have no distraction from all of the hellfire that is happening outside mm-hmm. of their window. And it is really a privilege to be able to be an artist in this moment and yeah. to be able to turn, turn off the noise. Sometimes it's, it's privilege, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we can say, I'm going to filter, uh, I'm going to filter any goodness in my heart in this moment into my art. And hopefully that will make the world a kinder and gentler place. And so we have to be grateful for that as well. Amid, amid the struggle and amid all of that, it's, it's really a privilege to be able to be working from home. Right. So I I want to be helpful in, in the time that we have left in terms of uh, pitching or in terms of seeking representation, which is just the, such a slog yeah because there is no one way. I think the most frustrating thing about Hollywood is that there's not a clear path, yeah, every story is different in terms of how people seek and get representation, but it's also the catch twenty two because you can't make any real strides unless you have re- representation right
1: so yeah. in other words, you're not about to tell us well here's here's the website that you go to that's where right. all of the representatives are listed. that's correct, yeah. So, and so, in fact, what
0: would- it, 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 and you can't even send it, it. This is where it gets weirder too. You can't even send it like to UTA United Talent Agency no. or, yeah. or William Morris. Um because
2: they don't read unsolicited material. They don't
0: read unsolicited <laughs> material. And also it's like that's you sent you're sending that to a monolithic mail room of which the agents never get that's right. the mail from that, you know, or right. right or the email. So you have to seek out individual agents that maybe represent clients that are similar to you in a way, similar to your writing style. So it's like who represents, I don't know, the Bojack Horseman folks? Who represents the South But Park even folks, like, you know? for
2: example, the Bojack Horseman folks, right? Like that I know some of the writers on that stuff. Those are writers. they're not animators or cartoonists right they write they're comedy writers. a lot of the family guy writers, a lot of the Simpsons writers um you know, some of those guys are cartoonists and artists, but I think the vast majority are just comedy writers, yeah, and somebody else the 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 animation and character designs are farmed out
1: uh yeah. In other the, words, uh, in other words, it's not as important as the writing. Something that we've said uh, here on the show in the past is, is that there's a much, much bigger emphasis on the writing and the art is something that comes in as an almost secondary element. Is that accurate? That's correct. That's yeah. correct.
2: But I think that I, I would say that if anybody in this time mm-hmm. where, we, where people seem to have more time, mm-hmm. if anyone can do the work of a proof of concept, yeah. if you can animate something... To show this is what it would look like, this is what it would sound like. This is it, it's mixed with music, and that and that goes out into the world, and people respond to it. Mm-hmm. That does become a calling card and a way for for you to approach pods and managers. Well, yeah,
0: like I mean, it's, it's going back decades now. But remember how South Park got started with that Christmas card that was it George Clooney commissioned or was it? Brad Pitt. I don't remember. Somebody commissioned it. They com- he commissioned, I think it was George Clooney, commissioned an animated Christmas card and they produced that Santa versus Brian Botano um, animated short. Do you remember that, Brad? Yep, yep.
2: Anyway, it got passed I saw around. it on a v on a VHS copy of a copy, of a, a copy of a copy. <laughs> yeah, As it got
0: passed around Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, and then they got representation. They yep. got picked up. That's right. South Park got started. So yeah. yes, you can break in through some weird, you know, orthogonal means, but you have to come in through the back that's door. That's the exception, right? Right. right? Yeah, that's the exception. Concept, you know, and so and and so, and so a the- lot, I'm sure a lot of YouTubers are hoping for that angle. You yeah. know, like I'm going to animate my own YouTube thing that's two minutes, three minutes long. It'll be, it'll blow up big and then and then someone will notice me that kind of thing, right you
1: know yeah I'm sure that's what's on a lot of people's minds right now so yeah. in terms of representation it, there's no clear-cut way it sounds like it's a lot of word of mouth type of thing in other words you find out people that are doing something similar you you kind of talk with them who's your representation and what you're saying also is that it, it, in terms of nomenclature uh, saying who's your agent is not accurate now correct?
2: Well, not in this moment, because we've the anyone in the guild now, the animation guild can oh, keep yeah. their animation guild can, <clears throat> animation guild can keep their agents. But but uh writers anyone guild. in the writers guild doesn't mm-hmm. have an agent right now. Mm.
0: But part of it, though, Brad, is that because we've noticed this with with people that we've seen coming up through like Upright Citizens Brigade or Groundlings or something. It's like that Steve Martin quote where you have to get so good that they they can't can't ignore ignore you anymore. That's right. (laughs) And so, like, a part of it is like, if you're going to agents, that's half the problem. Like, in a way, they They should be coming to you. They should be coming to you because they've noticed how good you are. So what are you
2: doing? What What are you doing every day to make people? Because, by the way, that's how I got my agent manager. They came to me. I didn't do mailers. I didn't do any of that. Really? I put up shows. I put up plays. And... I kept on putting them up and I invited assistants. I mean, assistants are also a great way in because assistants tell their boss if they liked something. Yeah, yeah. yeah So yeah. I reached out to all my assistant friends and uh, eventually their bosses came and that's how I got representation.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because I remember back in the day, uh, you were doing, you were coming out to New York and doing shows. Yep. You're going coast to coast, bouncing yep. back yep. and forth. Yep, uh,
2: self-produced, she, black box theater. She, <laughs> yeah.
0: her own she was making her own magic, Brad, in the sense that, like, I, I remember we would spend total like a thousand bucks on a show, yeah. and it was heartbreaking that thousand bucks. We're like, yeah. oh man, <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, and and but it would be black box theater, and it would be amazing black box theater, sure. and somehow by hook or by crook, through through assistance, she would get. like... Like the head of NBC comedy came, I remember yeah, one time. Yeah. You? So oh, I about had that. so
2: many amazing people coming. It was crazy. Somebody from
0: uh, MTV came one time. Oh, there, there
2: was... was so many great people. But the thing
0: came. is, like she was in LA, which is a big thing. That's, yes. that's a, an unspoken big thing, is that she was in LA. You can I mean New York maybe is also a yes. okay location, yes. but in LA, uh had access to assistants who in turn had access to big wigs, you yeah. know. And that's how you got your first, and even then the first representation, it was a stumbling first couple of years in that, like, we're going to try to get you in here. We're going to try to get you in right, there. And that right. was, but nobody immediately goes with a big silver sword. You're now a showrunner. <laughs> right. You, know? you have to put in your time in the trenches. Yeah. And then eventually people will be like, what are your ideas? We'd like to hear your pictures. That's picks. right. Don't you think? Right. Yes.
1: So now what so so what I'm hearing is the the best advice that we can give somebody that wants to be involved in animation as as potentially there's going to be more animation uh, on TV and on streaming services. The best advice that we can give people is to do the thing you're doing so well that it gets noticed by the people who are putting these deals together. Is that That's correct? Would that, in other words, it's, it, we're we're not going to tell people. Okay, here's how you load a pitch up. Uh, here's here's how you. Well, do I can your... talk
2: about that. I can talk about that too. But yeah. I would say I, I would say there's two ways. I think that I think a lot of times artists don't do the work of sitting down and centering themselves and making and making a visual checklist of what is it exactly that they want. And I'm a big proponent. I'm not like the secret or a person that does vision boards. (laughs) But, but... I do goals lists and I'm very clear, very clear. I have a six month, one year, five year, 10 year. Yeah. And I'm constantly adjusting them. Mm
1: -hmm. Sound
0: familiar, Brad? (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) I had to be dragged kicking and screaming, but yes, it does sound familiar. But I
2: think that like, I think that artists, a lot of times are like, I just want to make art. I think you have to be so specific with what exactly you want. So for me, I think that the first thing you have to do is say, Do I just want to make a living drawing? Yeah.
1: Because
2: if you want to make a living drawing, you can draw other people's stuff, right? Right. right. That opens up an entirely different world for you. Yeah. If you say, I want to make my own stuff, I want to be the writer and I want to be the animator, then that's a different thing. Then you have to do the work of being a writer, too. Yeah. You have to learn how to do that. You have to break down scripts. You have to direct animation, direct animation. You have to get in there with all of that. I think there's also I think classes are amazing. I think if there's any online classes that people can be taking in those arenas, I think that's smart. But like for me, I think that the years that I was flailing was because I was like, I don't know, I guess I just want to get paid to write like that would be amazing. And I'm so (laughs) grateful. Yeah, I'm just so grateful to be. And then I was like, no, this isn't I don't want to I'm doing that old white guy's vision. I don't want to do that. Right. (laughs) I don't want to write for people that hate each other. And what? What?
1: Uh, (laughs) Then I had to
2: be more specific. And the more specific I got, the more my dreams truly came true.
1: Because the you more were able specific. to put energy behind those things that yeah. were helping you get to those places. That's right. Right. That's
2: yeah. r- and I was also able to reframe spaces I was in that I maybe was not necessarily satisfied with. Because the truth is, along the way, you have to work. You have to pay bills. Yeah. But if you can reframe that in your own mind to be a means to an end, mm-hmm. as opposed to a dead end, then I think that's powerful. Because then right. you're like, I'm here to learn. I'm here to make money and pay off my student loans. I'm here to, and, but while I'm here, I'm also doing X for my own. Heart and uh, I will leave this situation better than I found it and move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. And so, like, Brad, you and I both have a desire at some point in our careers. I would like to make Drive into something in television, whether it's live action or animation, right? Yeah. I would like, that'd be, that'd be a lovely dream for me, but I, I haven't yet put it into concrete terms in Glow's idea of like what specifically I want. It's still nebulous for me. Mm-hmm. For you, you would like to at some point have Evil Link exist on, as an animated show. And so, you and I, what I'm hearing Glow saying is, we have to sp- be specific. Of do we want the idea to go on without us show running because that's the most likely outcome, right? Right, right. is that we partner with somebody, but then a showrunner really takes it and runs the, runs the ball down the field, or do we want to start dipping a toe in a television, do four to five to ten years of writing, so that we could then take Drive or Evilink to as an animated show, yeah, to some to you know wherever Sci Fi Network, Nickelodeon, doesn't matter, whatever it is. Um, Or do we want to just draw it and then have someone else write the show, in which case you and I are probably a little better suited because we have an artistic background, but we're not really animators. We don't really know. Right. We don't know tweening. We don't know any of that, you know, like <laughs> uh, so um, I guess it's more specific, like you and I who have a desire to see our properties at some point transition to television or to some filmic life. What do we want that to be? How do we want to get there? Yeah. And recognizing what shortcomings we have in getting there, right? Right.
1: Absolutely. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute and stand
0: and stretch. And while you're doing that, Brad and I are going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon.
1: Yeah, because, you know, when you do, you'll get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers.
0: And an exclusive Patreon post that go even deeper on the Comic Lab topics.
1: And access to our exclusive Discord server, a thriving community of professional cartoonists.
0: So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning.
1: And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, no worries.
0: You can still support the show by rating us wherever you get podcasts.
1: Leave us a five-star review and a few kind words.
0: And that, along with mentions on social media, is
1: incredibly helpful. And now, let's talk comics. Uh, so, so in the time that we have left, because I know that we're, we're uh, uh, staring down the barrel of a, of a deadline here. A, one zoom thing,
2: school starting yes <laughs> one of us has to step
0: away to help the zoom school so
1: yes well yes. well then listen we've got two options we can put a pin on this because i know we can probably uh, I, uh get gloria to come back at some point seems as how you're in the same house no
2: no you'll never see me. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> what i'd like to ask is uh because i i, I we were uh, we were spitballing this and i find it fascinating if you find yourself in a pitch meeting, how do you go about what what, what would be the, uh, uh, the the best way to approach an actual pitch?
2: This is a great question. Oh, I also in this moment, I'd like to to uh, to give some, to plug my um, free YouTube series, Hollywood 101, yes. where I talk about how to be a writer in Hollywood with it's really what, good. With what I know, which is not a lot, but, yeah. and it's one perspective, but everything I do know is in a 10 part series, uh, and uh, it's available on YouTube for free.
0: And, and for those of you that have ever listened to Web Comics Weekly or Comic Lab, you know that Brad and I like to pay forward what we know, right, with this show. And that's what Gloria did. She basically said there was no. There's no real free resources for somebody living in Iowa. Like, how right. do I break into yeah. Hollywood? That's right. right. Yeah. And so she made this, this beautiful 10-part series where she breaks down how to get an agent, how to write the first script, right. how to get the first script read, all this sort of stuff. We so- break
2: down the one day to time script. And I think that one is probably our most popular episode. Mike Royce and I break it down because I think it helps people break down whatever show they're trying to break down. Yeah, by breaking down ours. So uh, yeah, so that's free. Please check it out. Uh, no one got paid on it. It was no uh, it was a labor of love. Everyone did it for free, just for the goodness of getting knowledge into the world. So I would say pitching, and I talk about this in much more detail uh, mm-hmm. in the in the series. I think pitching, you have to look at it is what is what is your personal style? What is the thing that you're magic at? For me, for the vast majority of my career, my pitching style was: I'm your best friend, we are out for coffee, and I'm about to tell you the best story of your life. <laughs> okay.
1: And that's the that's, mental space that you would get yourself into. Yeah, and
2: that's how I pitch. So yeah. it's like, okay. We meet these two people. Oh my god. So picture, you know, okay, picture Kevin Hart. Yeah. And Kevin Hart and I are on a date, okay? And he like like so it's like you're telling this story. You're yeah. you're you're infusing it with your enthusiasm and you're telling a great story and their uh ability to jump in and and get get roped into your story is what will sell it, okay? Yeah. Then I did that for a few years and then People started to get to know me and it felt too similar, I think. Uh-huh. So I wanted to change it up. <laughs> so then I started bringing in a board. So I would take a big like uh, a, a big poster, poster board, board uh-huh. and I would have Dave make a cute you know uh, you know history of them for example. I'd have Dave do some cute thing on the on the computer to make a, a logo of history of them because yeah. I was a show I went out with. and then I literally cast it. So I put all the character names and the and the actors that I liked that I was picturing next to it. Uh And then I had pictures of what I thought the bar would look like and pictures of Portland because that was set in Portland. And then I had pictures from my Instagram of like what the friends were like and things that they were doing. And I walk in with that and I tell them the story. But I have photo photos to go along with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Because now they're visualizing it.
2: Now they're visualizing even more and they don't have to look at me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> they can look, they have something else to look at. Yeah. Then with this Zoom pitching, oh. which I had to do over the last few months. Yeah. People are, I think, fatigued of Zoom, yeah. fatigued of blue jeans, of Chrome, of whatever, of Chime, of the 500 different
1: Google Hangouts. Google Hangout. Yeah.
2: So, uh, I was very fortunate to, to work with a partner who's more experienced at pitching film with she's, she and I are partners and she had the idea of doing a PowerPoint presentation. So we actually take ourselves off a video and we play the movie in various images as we're pitching it. Oh, wonderful. So that the 45 minute pitch is every two minutes. There's a new image. Beautiful. So that was wildly effective. And I had never done that before. I'm so grateful to her for teaching me that because it allowed them to look at something else. It allowed them to really picture what we were seeing for each of these, each of these uh, moments. And that was, that was really effective. Now, still, I would say the style remained the same. The style still remained. I'm your best friend and I'm telling you a great story. But some people have different pitching styles and you can't say pitch the way I pitch because that might not work for somebody else.
0: Right. It's like, it's like comedians. One comedian style is very effective for them, but you couldn't ask Jerry Seinfeld to do, uh, I don't know. George Carlin. names George Carlin, right. And vice versa. It just wouldn't work. Um, so, uh, but when you pitch, do you leave any de- paperwork? with? Never, them? never, okay. never. Never. <laughs> don't you, leave a trace. Do you, send, do you, you don't leave anything. Do you send any paperwork ahead of time? No. Okay. Why not?
1: Uh, you're, you're at, you're answering very emphatically. Why not?
2: Because you're giving them your IP. Right. You don't want to leave them with your IP. You want to, somebody's taking notes. Uh-huh. Somebody's taking notes during that pitch and they're putting it in their own words, but you don't want to leave your words and your work and your, you don't want to leave that with anybody. Right. Never.
1: It's that concept of scarcity coming back. Once again, anything that you want to sell, it has to be somewhat scarce.
0: Yeah. Yeah uh and then do you um are, is there A Q&A period after your yes. pitch is over yes. yes okay sometimes
2: they will interrupt you during the pitch to ask questions of clarity
0: yeah. do they ever buy it in the room yes is that really? the best feeling ever it's great <laughs> 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 um what is the most likely outcome of most pitches
2: they go nowhere. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. And they and, never and call you again. Then,
0: on, on average, to to sell a pitch, how many places do you have to go to to, sell, to pitch it so that you can sell it to one of them?
2: Oh, that I don't know. I mean- that,
0: More than five, more than 10.
2: I don't even think that's a numbers game. I think it's like if it's the right buyer. I think what you- Well, I, can
0: I answer I, for you though? Because <laughs> over the course of your career, you've pitched on average, because I think this is helpful to people. Well- To sell it to one place, you had to pitch it to usually six to eight places- so, that ideally, one and hopefully two, so there's a bidding war would yeah. be interested. That's know? true,
2: but I think that depends on the thing. Like with the movie, we did that because there were eight different places buying movies.
0: Right.
2: For TV shows, it's less, right? True. For TV yeah. shows, you're pitching to. I, I think this is where the representation becomes important mm-hmm. because to even get the meeting to pitch, yeah. it needs to be somebody who's buying that type of material. You know, like. And the only go- people who
0: know that are usually representatives. That's
2: right. That's right. So, it's like you're not going to go to CBS and pitch. Breaking Bad, even though that's an awesome show, they're never going to make it, right? That's not their brand. So I think it's also being very aware of the landscape. And I think that people need to also read the trades to understand the landscape,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because oftentimes you need to work in partnership. I think also that a lot of people put too much on their representation. They also need to be doing the work of knowing and pushing their representation to say, so and so just bought a project like this. Why am I not going to speak to them? Oh, yeah. oh, I'll look into that. Right. Like, <laughs> right. They only know what they know, too. And it's not everything. So it's 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 a lot.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I think watching you give talks to 20 somethings and 30 somethings, the, the 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 similarity that I see between what Brad and I see with younger cartoonists who are like. I'm gonna go to Marvel, and I'm. They're gonna. They're gonna buy my Spider-Man book, and I'm 21, and I'm gonna get to write Spider-Man. It's very similar to what I see 20-somethings and 30-somethings coming up to you, being like, "I just got the greatest idea, and I just need to get my foot in the door, and then they're gonna buy it." And I, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. To get into the NBA, there's a lot of work in, in junior high, in high school, in college, right. in post-college gameplay that to get into the NBA. And that you can't just be like, I'm going to be Michael Jordan. And now I am. I'm Michael Jordan. Well, it's
2: right? it's for I always talk to young people in terms of lawyers and doctors. So it's like you can't graduate college and go, I'm a doc I'm ready for surgery. <laughs> I'm ready for surgery. No, you're not. You need to go to med school for eight years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you. So it's. That's what it is. People have to put in the eight to ten years, for the most part. Are there the people that slip through? Yes, there are, and that is an exception. But for the most part, uh, even the people that slip in, even say Alina Dunham, who was very young when she made *Tiny Furniture*, which was a, a very brilliant film, she still had Judd Apatow. She still had right, like that. Just yeah. what became her calling card, and then she had a. She had somebody else to shepherd her through the process right right, so that's like an exception, like for the most part, people aren't getting shows right out of college, yeah they're not,
0: but even there. Tiny furniture was again like South Park, or again like the like YouTube stars. Like, get so good that they can't. That's ignore right. You. right. She, 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 was she was so specific. Couldn't ignore her. Well, it because- was that
2: was the thing too. I think, and and in, in going back to sitting with yourself as an artist and determining what you have to say. I think Lena Dunham in that moment was so specific. It was yeah. such a specific take from a young girl who we hadn't seen in that way in in a long time, uh, and putting herself in you know situations we had just never seen privileged white girls go through. Right. Like very bald and naked. And, uh, it was just, it was provocative in a way that we hadn't seen in that moment. Mm -hmm. So that put her on the, on the landscape. And that's, that's kind of the people that break through, I think are ones that are saying something very loudly in a moment when people are ready to hear it and acknowledge it. Yeah. So that's, we can't control that, but what we can control is like sitting with, I mean, before I make anything, I sit, I sit in kind of silence and I try to really think about what do I think I have to contribute? What do I think I have to say? And how can I go about doing it and saying it yeah. and letting that marinate until something, you know, bears fruit.
0: Can I ask a question? Maybe Brad has one last one, but can I ask a question that um, I think is true, but I don't know if I'm going to ask you um, when people buy a pitch? In a lot of respects, are they also mainly buying you? You know what I mean? Like, are they buying the artist? Like, I know this person's work. I know what they've done. Sometimes.
2: Sometimes. What what I have found, because I have just entered feature films, I've just started that. That's a new world for me. I have uh not ventured into that world. So far, not a fan. Um, (laughs) uh, But in television i definitely feel like people are buying me yeah i definitely feel feel like when i go to a pitch you know like CBS. i had a relationship with cbs where one of the heads there was like bring me whatever i'll buy it i just like you and i like what you have to say and that was a really special relationship um but that was you know i had worked on cbs shows for seven years i had, like i had built relationships there so that they really knew me right they were with familiar. features I yeah. thought I was going to come in with this Latin move, Latinx movie, and I'm killing it in the Latinx space with, with television. Yeah. So I'm going to do it with movies. They couldn't have given two shits who I was. Really? <laughs> no, they didn't care. They did not care at all because in movies, the writer is not King. The director is King in TV. The writer
1: is King. Uh-huh. Wow! So
2: that was a that was a good uh, bit of humble pie I got to eat there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't care. That's well. That's why we always hear that uh, that that line that's always a punchline that I never understood, which is when an actor says, "Well, what I really want to do is direct." That's that's where that's coming from, is that directors <laughs> yeah. are, are power, our power. Yeah. power, yeah, power, yeah, interest. The other
0: funny line, Brad, that I uh, it's related. That's to why I
2: started directing too. But
0: um, <laughs> I I always thought. I always thought it was funny. There's a a line in TV that in seasons one and two, the actors work for you, and then in season... No, season
2: one, they work for you. Season two, your partner. Season three, you work for them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, Brad, last... Last questions that you might have not on, on, my show. on they were pitching or on television <laughs> or on approaching animation for GLOW.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it, it, uh, I, I'm not sure so much a question other than what I'm hearing is a lot of this is, it has to do with, you mentioned branding right at the top of the show. And, and a lot of this has to do with kind of understanding, if you don't understand what your own brand is, taking some time to think about what that is in terms of what you want to do, what you hope to achieve. And then doing the things that reinforce that brand is that a is that an accurate way of I saying? that? I think so. That?
2: And you know that is that's a controversial statement. Yeah. Me saying that branding is important, I've gotten into fights with writers about this. Really? Yes, I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's important because the moment the mo- for example, I will I'll give a quick example. Mm-hmm. After the first season of One Day at a Time, so I have been a writer at this point thirteen years. Mm-hmm. By the end of the first season of One Day at a Time, when we premiered, we had rave reviews. And tons of of, uh, social engagement. All right. The show was successful. Yeah. Uh, I tried to get a deal at Sony and Sony said, we don't know who she is. We don't know who, what, what is she saying? What's her voice? I had just done a season about my life and my family that was well-received. Right. For Sony. Yeah, For Sony. For and they were like, we're just not sure. We don't know. So I got a publicist. Publicists are very expensive. <laughs> very expensive. But in that moment, I felt like it was very important for me to make an investment in myself so that I could make very clear who I was yes. as an artist. Yeah. After three months with that publicist and saying yes to every podcast, every article, every panel, Sony gave me a deal. Wow. Because I made very clear to them who I was. Had I not bre- – and look, maybe that's, maybe that's more for creatives of color. Uh-huh. Maybe that is more for underrepresented voices because to break through, you have to say this is why I'm different and special, yeah. which –
0: yeah, Maybe. but I, I see Brad. I see it though as a direct line of making your own magic. Of the same woman that I married, that did her own plays for a thousand dollars in West Hollywood, uh-huh. and w- she would put them up, and we we would you know work those five six nights, getting as many people in there as we could. To the same woman who came to me and said like Hey, do you mind if we invest in a publicist?" Remember we had that conversation. Right. She's like, "This is a big check, <laughs> it's a lot of money. This is a big check." And yeah. but we were like, "Yeah, this is the good. This is a good roll of the dice for the next because yeah. you have to." Mm-hmm. You have to put in the work to, uh, to make your own career happen. You can't wait for the world to come to you, you right. know?
2: I would definitely say that the best thing you can do to be a resilient artist is to pivot. Mm. I think that you need to, and, and also if you're saying like, my, I just, what's happening out there? No one's paying attention to me. I think you have to look at what am I doing every day? What yeah. am I doing every day for my art and for my business? And I, because I think not enough people ask themselves that they're waiting for somebody to knock on the door and give them an opportunity. And that's just not That's not mostly how it works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Brad, any last minute questions here, my friend?
1: Other than how do we get Gloria showing up every week? Because this has been absolute magic.
0: Oh, thanks, Brad. Well, if Brad. I, I ply her with coffee, maybe well we can have her... I'm happy to talk whenever. I really am. Yeah. I
2: literally live here.
0: Uh- <laughs> well, thank you, love. Um, thanks, love. And uh, on that note, I will say you can go check out One Day at a Time on the Pop Network and keep an eye out for the you animated can, show. Guys,
2: you can check out the first three seasons on Netflix. I'm not hating on Netflix. No. That's right. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I first three seasons are I on Netflix. I explicitly excluding them. I first three saying- seasons are on Netflix. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, watch it there. Let them have the biggest numbers they've ever had after right. they've canceled us. Right. And then, and then the, <laughs> the following six episodes are on Pop TV and the Pop TV app. And the animated special will be June 16th on Pop TV. Ooh, June 16th? Right up? Yeah. June 16th? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's like a war yeah, no two weeks. they're cranking yeah. on this. Good
2: God. Yeah. Oh,
0: geez, it's Louise. It's true. June so 16th. So let's, let's pour one out for the poor animators in Canada. <laughs> oh, yeah. that my hands gosh. are cramping. They are, and they are- killing it fantastic. Anyway, hooray for my wife. She's the best. Yay, thanks for coming on the show. You hooray. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Thank you, Gloria. Oh, that was a fantastic interview. Uh, 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 the first chance you get, uh, remind Gloria how much she brightened our day just by being here. That was that was a lot of information in a very short amount of time.
0: I uh, I am very lucky to have married her. She is my favorite person yes. in the world. Yes, And I'm so glad that she came on the podcast. Uh, that yes. was delightful. Yeah. Um, and and we'll have her back again, of course. So if in the future, if you have specific questions, comic related questions that you would like yeah. to ask a TV writer or a TV showrunner in terms of uh, how that world is viewed from the other world, um, mm-hmm. then by all means, hold on to that question. You, you can submit it to a five dollar question. We will hold on to it for the next time Gloria is on the show. That'd be a fun one. So
1: or just at some point have having Gloria in just to talk, uh, answer questions about Dave Kellett. like uh, stuff about <laughs> Dave Kellett. <that laughs> no, that is he'll trouble. Never... That he'll never tell you, but she could tell you for days. Uh, that's, the, that's the show I'm tuning in for. Is the Gloria, Dave first, first show? first
0: question. Hi, $5 backer at Comic Lab. Uh, a quick question. How many times did Dave bring up the Eisners in the bedroom? Just <laughs> a curiosity.
1: <laughs> Dave still puts his pants on one leg at a time. But when he does, they're the pants of an Eisner winner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what's funny? I was telling my kids uh, last night that, uh, you know, there are there's the Ruben Awards, which is the yeah. NCS award. And I was telling the kids that that is actually the heaviest award in the arts. It's heavier than the Grammys. It's heavier than the Emmys. It's hemi- yeah. heavier than the Oscars. It's a yeah. huge award, physically huge award. Brad, yeah. have you ever seen a physical Eisner award?
1: No. Oh, yes, I have. It's a it's a, it's like a pewter globe. I've, I've seen one uh, before.
0: So for those at home, if you've ever seen a kid's participation trophy for a (laughs) soccer tournament where they're like, little Jimmy was a participant in the soccer team and here's his trophy. Unfortunately, that's what the Eisner Award looks like. It's real small. It's real small. I was shocked the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, oh, well, there's there's the Eisner Award. There it is. But for an award, the, the it's, who cares how big it is? It's the, it's no. the thought of it that, that matters,
1: in, you know? In fact, you want it a little bit smaller because you want to make sure that it'll fit on the shelf right above your bed.
0: On the shelf? I'm going to do it like Flavor Flav and make a little hole on it so that I can
1: wear <laughs> it around my neck. Well, I guess you've learned your lesson about putting trophies on shelves above your bed. You're you're Yo. probably better off putting around <laughs> your totally neck. I
0: totally missed the reference of the earthquake joke. Wow, God.
1: I just I just dropped that and waited for a reaction, and nothing. Got a flavor, flavor, the <laughs> <we need> crickets. <laughs> Well listen, speaking of things that we're super excited about, we also want to take this moment and thank our sponsor, uh, the sponsor of Comic Lab, Wacom, uh, W-A-C-O-M.com, creators of the Wacom One, which is an amazing portable tablet, you can take it anywhere with you, uh, connects right to your laptop, and as some of our Discord uh, server uh, members have been mentioning, uh, you can hook it up to certain Android devices, which Wait, is something I did not
0: know that <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, you can hook it up to an Android device. So if you're running, for example, uh, Clip Studio Paint or uh, Photoshop on your Android tablet or phone, uh, you can hook that up through that device and uh, run the Wacom one from it. That's I, don't, ama- I did not know that. I yeah. legit did not know that. That's amazing. I don't know all the logistics. I don't know, you know, I, I, I haven't heard a whole lot about, you know, how, how it is uh, to use. But knowing Wacom, probably pretty darn slick. Uh, but I will say this, uh, and I can speak on behalf of Dave and myself. We've both been using ours during quarantine, and it is amazing, especially if you're, you've you been thinking about jumping into the digital illustration side. Uh, it, the price point is perfect. Uh, and and it delivers absolute pro-level results. Uh, I've been thrilled with mine.
0: Absolutely. So we are going to say a huge thank you and a shout-out to our friends Wacom at com, the makers of the Wacom One. And we will see them next week as sponsors of the show. And in the meantime, now is the big opportunity for Brad to say... <laughs>
1: You've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics.
0: Your hosts have been my friend Brad Geiger, the creator of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. I wanted to use creator because you've been using <laughs> that honestly... lately, and I
1: used it on the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, your heart was in the right place. You've heard <laughs> <laughs> a sentence that Dave has heard of many times through his life. And... Speaking of phrases I've heard in the bedroom. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, I'm not touching that with a foot. <laughs> and my friend, the Eisner-nominated Dave Kelly, hey! co-director of Stripped and cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. And the Comic Lab theme song is
0: used with permission from Andy Creighton at TheWorldRecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media.
1: If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode.
0: And Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab, so we'll go ahead and say that like Stan Lee Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. Excelsior.
1: Fantastic. <laughs>
0: So when Gloria said, "Yeah, I had to sleep with him uh, to be on the show," you said, "Imagine what I had to do to be his co-host." <laughs> what? What exactly is the? Uh, what? What had to happen? That's terrifying.
1: I, I, don't you remember? <laughs> you <told me> <laughs> don't you remember you were there. You told me you'd never forget.